This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. Uh, just to let our listeners know what we've got up today. Uh, it's been an interesting week in sports. Uh, uh, so we uh, thought nobody else better but to talk about it with Butch Carter. Um, uh, NBA uh, players uh, protested and uh, some of the games were canceled this week. And the NHL did the same. And around the world, there's a continuing protest uh, for social justice, and uh, we'll have a brief chat with Butch Carter about that, and also uh, we'll get an opportunity to uh, tee up the uh, Toronto Raptors and Boston Celtics series, which starts today at 1 p.m. Let's get Butch's thoughts on that. Later on in the hour, we're going to be talking a little bit of golf. We haven't chatted golf in a while. Um, They've got the FedEx Cup rolling down in Chicago this weekend. Uh, we're going to be chatting with golf commentator Steve Scott. Uh, Steve has been on the show before. He's uh, a gentleman that I personally know uh, who was a, uh, one of the, one of the uh, chief protagonists in one of the most compelling games and one of the most compelling contests in golf history. August 26, 1996, Steve Scott was involved in a golf match for the ages, uh, and we're going to get an opportunity to chat with him about that as well. should be very, very interesting. Uh, Make sure you listen in for the whole hour. Later on in the hour, uh, we've got some Pizzaville coupons uh, cards we want to give away, a $50 card and also a $25 card. Uh, We'll be giving those numbers out later in the hour. Naz, Toronto Blue Jays, we uh, we chatted last night, you and I, and we promised we were going to start off the show with the Blue Jays because we haven't chatted much about the Blue Jays. Um, you know, it's, it's really tough to keep up with everything that's going on in the world of sports. You know, we got the NHL going on, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs. They're, they're usually, usually the Blue Jays have everything all to themselves at this time of year before the football season start up. But they've got to compete with uh, with their, everything else that's going on, and they're not actually in the city. Uh, they're playing out of Buffalo, but they've been making a little bit of noise, Ness. Uh, so uh, no, it's a lot, of, a lot of noise, not a little bit, <laughs> a lot of noise. Okay, so Ness, yeah, young, the young you're players are hitting. Everybody's playing well. I mean, a lot of base injuries in baseball. I, I don't understand. It never used to be that way, but it seems like a guy goes down every second day here. But uh, the Jays, the Jays are uh, they're good. They're a good team. They have good young players, and uh, Vladimir Guerrero is coming on. He's going to hit 300 by the time the season's over. 
Yeah, interestingly enough, they didn't, didn't. I can't say they got off to the greatest start, but they're right now they're sitting uh, 17 and 14. I had to actually look these up. Uh, I've been following them, but uh, not all that closely, uh, unfortunately. But I will start keeping a closer eye on them. Uh, 10 wins in the last 13 games. Uh, uh, just a, a half a game behind the Yankees. Uh, kind of surprising. Diff- a little bit of a different playoff format. Uh, so right now, they if the season's, uh, season ended today, Naz, my understanding is they're in a playoff position. They'd be in eighth position. I think they'd play Oakland in the first round. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and uh, their, their other young star, and uh, they've got a few of them. You, you mentioned Alfonso Guerrero Jr., uh, the kid, Bo Bichette. Um, uh, he, was having, he was having a phenomenal start to the season, got injured. Uh, any news on him and uh, when we can expect him back? Well, he's back uh, practicing with the team now, so I, I, I think it, he's still a month away, though. And uh, how's the, uh, you know, you know they say baseball, you, you go as far as your pitching takes you. Um, uh, analyze uh, the pitching. They made the big offseason move to bring in Ryu from, uh, I think, Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was a big signing. Uh, uh, interesting character, uh, great arm. How's he? Uh, how's he been doing on he's the staff? He's very, very well of lately. But he started off slow, but he's pitched very well lately. He's uh, he's a pretty good pitcher, Wally. I, I never saw him play before because he played in L.A. But he's a very, very good pitcher, and he's a number one starter for sure. Uh, when we finished off the season last year, uh, I can't say that we were. Uh, you know, we were a lot. Of, we, uh, I guess, we were. Uh, and a lot of commentators and a lot of fans um, didn't think much of the Blue Jays' uh, prospects at the end of last year. But they've uh, this young group seems to have come together really quickly. How uh, your analysis of that, Naz? What uh, what maybe happened? They should, maybe they should move the team to Buffalo. Well. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not like gonna happen. Since they went into Buffalo, they've been winning all their games there. So. Uh, and with no with no fans, uh, with no fans. No, yeah. just kidding aside. They, yeah. they had they had great young players. Uh, they uh, prospect wise, they were in the top in the in, in baseball. So eventually, they're going to develop at a major league level. So I'm not surprised by it. And I said last week with San Diego and why and uh, Chicago White Sox are their young players are coming together too, just like the Blue Jays. So look out for those teams. Well, the the young the young players are taking over, uh, and that's you know it's great to see. I mean, it, there's uh, you know I'm reading about uh, Guerrero Jr. and uh, his hype and and, Bich- and uh, sorry Bichette. Um, so the fact that they 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 are now stepping into their own as uh, probable major league stars, if they're not stars already, um, looks like could be an exciting time for Blue Jays baseball. Ness, uh, you know we. You know, the management there did a good job of, you know, I would say gutting the pitching staff over the last few years. A lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the pitching that they had has moved on for for lots of different reasons. Uh, but they've got uh, they've got some new arms. Any good young arms in the in the uh, on the staff? Nate Pearson's a great young arm, but he's he's on the DL now. Nate Pearson's an awesome. 
Yeah, the rest of the pitching staff, Naz, uh, break it down for us. Well, they have um, they picked up Taiwan Ty- Walker yesterday, and he pitched six innings, scoreless, uh, scoreless innings, and pitched very well. He got him from Seattle. Um, their, their, their relief pitching has been quite good, quite good, and um, they have a shot at winning that division. They they can even catch Tampa Bay Wall. Well, they they played well against Tampa Bay. They had a had a really good series or a couple of series against them, and uh, you know they 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 held they held their own against uh, if Tampa Tampa's in first place right now, and uh, I think the the Jays I, I'm not mistaken are four and a half games back, so they 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 certainly uh, are are within range. Um, like I said, it's difficult to keep up with everything that's going on, but there's about another month left in the schedule. Uh, they yeah, got that's it down all there is. About a, 30 games, right? Yeah, they, they got it down to about a 60-game schedule. So, um, you know, if the Jays, uh, you know, they had a good little run, and uh, uh, the uh, reports are saying that Ross Atkins is, is going to be taking a serious look at what's available. Um, see if it can move. Uh, I mean, move some bodies in. So he certainly the the, the what's being uh, what's being said out there. The Jays are in the market to improve themselves because they think they've got a shot. So uh, exciting times. I, I didn't think uh, you know we. Uh, it's been a little while since the, the Bautista and Carnacion days. Uh, I didn't think they'd come together this quickly. It's it's fantastic to uh, watch a young team come together at the uh, at the same time and play some exciting baseball and have some young stars to uh, to rally around. So uh, exciting times for Blue Jays fans, isn't it, Ness? I have to give I have to give Shapiro and Atkins credit for for rebuilding this thing because I didn't think they could do it. Honestly, uh, when Anthopoulos went, I thought they were done for a long, long time. It looks like they've uh, they've done a pretty good job. So you got to give them credit where the credit's due. Anyways, we'll we'll keep a close eye on them, and uh, as we head into September, we'll certainly take the opportunity to chat about the Jays uh, as much as we can. Before we go to break, we're gonna we're gonna come back with Butch Carter. Before to go to break, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, we mentioned him on I mentioned him on the show last week, Alfonso Davies. Um, who was the Rookie of the Year in the Bundesliga this year, the German First Division Soccer, first Canadian ever to hoist the Champions League trophy. For the for soccer fans, they know what an accomplishment that is. For non-soccer fans, Champions League trophies like the Super Bowl trophy or the Stanley Cup, and maybe even at a higher level, it is one of the great sporting events in the world. And a Canadian hoisted that for the first time. If I had a vote for the Lou Marsh trophy today, Naz, my vote would be Alfonso Davies. On that, on that note, we'll go to break. We'll be right back with Butch Carter. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. Are you real ready? 
If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner, we'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Joining us this morning, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys? We're great. Thanks so much for joining us, Butch. Uh, it's been an eventful week in the uh, in the world of sports, in the world of NBA basketball. Um, we will uh, uh, talk about basketball during this interview. We have a big basketball series coming up. The Raptors and the Celtics, which gets going today. And Butch, we, we'd, we're obviously going to ask you to analyze that series. Uh, but I think it would be remiss if we didn't have a, a, a brief discussion about the events of this week. Uh, Butch, I know that you've uh, you've almost become a senior statement. You're a senior statesman. You, uh, I know that you've been asked your opinion in various media channels this week. Um, um, you're getting a lot of calls uh, because people are... Uh, respect your opinions, and uh, we thought we'd be remiss if we didn't at least, at least ask you a few questions and get some of your thoughts about uh, about what's going on. We've chatted briefly on the air with you before. The NBA players decided, um, I think the Milwaukee Bucks, just before a game, decided they were not going to go on the court and play as a, as a means of protesting uh, what uh, has transpired in the United States in 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 the last little while, but I guess more about a protest about social justice. That's uh, the state of America when it comes to the big issues in that area. Butch, very quickly, uh, your thoughts: um, protesting, calling off the games, uh, appropriate, and what can be accomplished. Well, it's, it's nothing new, you know, um, from the time I was very small when I first seen the likes of uh, during the Civil Rights Movement, Jim Brown, 
Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then Lou Alcindor, uh, Oscar Robertson. Um, they showed up at the march on Washington and supported it. So as far as, you know, athletes, um, you know, it's not, not new. You know, baseball memorizes Jackie Robinson every year, you know, for the sacrifice that he made to integrate baseball. And um, there is an awareness now that is uh, come to light. And, you know, my conversation is about the awareness is directly related to the technology change in our society. Um, before, people could do bad things. You know, let's not limit it to police brutality, but people could do bad things. But now with a camera in, in everyone's hand and their phone, uh, you get third-party validation. And without the third-party validation, it was almost impossible to take someone to court, regardless of the laws that were on the books. It was regardless to convince a jury that someone unanimously was guilty. So uh, technology has, has helped bring light to uh, something that was dark. Um, it eliminates people uh, not telling the truth. Um, I guess the perfect example right now would be uh, Maasai Jury's character was attacked on uh, the officer said that Maasai pushed him. And clearly after Maasai and them were able to access uh, the body cam, it showed another story. So without that body cam, um, Maasai is subject to a very punitive lawsuit. And even to prove himself guilty, I imagine he has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with his legal team uh, just to get the information to say that, you know, he was not the aggressor. So... Uh, we know um, all people who immigrate into a country go through these kind of hassles. Um, at the end of the day, you got to get a tangible result. And hopefully we can move forward on, on the best ways to get a tangible result. What, uh, what talking about tangible results, um, you know, obviously the players have uh, presented a list, and one of the areas... I see that there's been some discussions with the owners is hope opening up the arenas as uh, more so in the United States, obviously than Canada, but opening up the arenas as places as voting stations. Uh, I believe the players are asking for that. Um, what other tangible results other, other than we all acknowledge um, racism uh, needs to be eradicated. Uh, I think we're all, uh, know that that's a big job uh it's it's needed we have to fight it we have to keep looking forward uh in terms of concrete um uh ways of moving forward uh what do you foresee butch work where, where can we make improvements i know that you've uh, you've been vocal uh, on, in the area of, of having body cams on all police officers, uh, who are talking, and any uh, any areas where you think we can, as a society, make tangible, concrete proposals that would Im- would move us forward. Um, well, I mean, again, I'm I'm a huge advocate for body cams because um, the body cams give factual evidence of what actually happens. 
and people aren't allowed to lie. I mean, this when people have conflict, you know, the the judgment of the conflict is not someone sitting like they're in church. You know, it's not a casual conversation, and, and people uh, historically, you know, for for all human beings, for all Canadians, you need body cam. For all Americans, you need body cam because the police force is the first responder to a conflict. And when humans respond to a conflict, look, Walter, as you and Naz know, historically, people don't always do the right thing in a conflict. There are emotions involved, you know, and so, you know, the body cam is, is to me, is so important to stopping these incidents of, of people getting shot. And just look at the history of the police officer that was convicted because uh, of the, he shot the kid on, on the streetcar, right? Yep. And it was it was all because of the video evidence. If that jury hadn't had that video evidence, you know, two or three of his buddies to protect him could have just said, you know, he moved at him aggressively. And how can you convict someone when there's no visual evidence of what actually happened? So the voting rights um, has always been an issue. Uh, you know, they passed the law in 64, 65, to make sure that all um, minorities could have the right to vote. Um, but again, the, the U.S. government, the majority, starts doing redistricting. Um, I think one of the things you'll see is that the polling stations, there'll be people have to stay in five, six, seven, eight hours. Um, Trump's already talking about he doesn't want write-in votes. Um, because... The margin of error in America is, is normally in the vote is normally seven or eight percent. And if uh, Barack proved that he could get the vote out and won and won re-election, but in the last 200 years, um, the first responders have been a direct reflection of the majority and have acted out, and that's carried over right through the voting booth. And so uh, I wish the players and the owners success with uh, voter registration and getting the vote out. Um, but the owners, because of their antitrust exemption, have to be a little careful in dealing with their politicians. So I think they're going to make a, a step forward. Um, but again, you can't change things unless you understand exactly how they work. And when you're emotionally tied up in this awareness, in these movements, you get so emotional that no one is able to stand up and say, no, this is how the system works, and there's a better alternative. So I think they'll struggle. Basically, um, black Americans have struggled since uh, Martin Luther King was killed, and it, and it is what it is. But uh, uh, leadership is, is being able to get uh, a movement that gives you real value and not just marching, shouting, yelling, rioting, picketing, um, so I, I question if they'll get that as long as they stay emotional. Ness? But the difference between living in Canada and living in the States, what are they when it comes to the police? Okay, so you really <laughs> why do you think I stayed here? <laughs> I mean, so my incidents in Canada with the police, okay, they pulled me over from a speeding, right? And the officer says, Coach, I got to write you a ticket. I said, No problem. Right? Um, you know, from 
uh, I was telling Walter, um, I just got home from my rookie year with the Lakers. Me and my brother, John, go to the shopping mall. We buy some stuff for the house. We're headed back. Police pulls us over. You know, what are you guys doing over here? Said, what do you mean, man? We're just, we're going home. Said, well, you don't live here. I said, yeah, I live, I live one mile down the road. Right? But I had to get out of the car, put my hands on the car. And, you know, I, I've been Ohio Player of the Year. I've been Ohio Coach of the Year. I've gone into university. I've graduated. I've elevated myself and my family. And I'm still subject to these guys harassing me because they thought I was in the wrong neighborhood. So, you know, that's just one incident. You know, um, we don't have, I mean, we don't have time for me to tell you, but, you know, my piece about being a human being is, is far greater than here in Canada. Than, and not to say Canada doesn't have its, its historical issues, um, but, you know, it's, it's safer. It's just safer for me and, and my family in getting stopped or an altercation with a, with a, a police officer. Uh, we're talking to Butch Carter. Uh, Butch, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, confrontations and the news this morning. Four police officers in Toronto got taken to the hospital last night. So somehow we, we've got to move to a society where these altercations or confrontations between police officers and the public don't end up with uh, with anybody getting hurt, either uh, either a member of the public or the police officer. So, I guess that's 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 a goal that we should all have as well. But uh, Butch, let's let's move on to basketball. Um, Celtics, uh, Raptors have never met in a in a in an NBA playoff series, and this this is a as about as close to a pick'em series as as I I've seen analyzed. Uh, it starts this afternoon. Tell us what we can expect. What are the key matchups, and what do the Raptors have to do to win? Well, the key matchup in the Raptors' history the last, say, six seasons is that they did not have a, a wing defender that could guard the great wing players in the East. They didn't have anyone that could guard Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, Paul George, uh, Dwayne Wade. And they fell prey to those teams consistently. So now you have uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the two good wing players for Boston. And I think it's going to go to directly can they control those two uh, in this series. Um, historically, you know that's been the Achilles heel. Um, the acquisition of Kawhi solved that for them, which led to their championship. So, but you know the Raptors are the defending champion. I expect if they're injury-free, they will play like a defending champion. And I expect Nick Nurse to throw some junk at Boston to try to get him off off base. So uh, Brad Stevenson is a very good coach, uh, one of the best X and O's coaches uh, coming out of timeout. I expect Nurse will counter that uh, with one of his junk defenses. Uh, and I call it junk defense because most coaches – don't want to coach against it, so they put the acronym that it's a junk defense. But you know the Raptors won a, uh, a world championship last year by playing a box and one, and there was no reply. The difference is Stevenson has, has coached in college and has seen these uh, different defenses. I don't know if he has enough time to prepare against them, 
which is always a problem in the NBA. But I expect it to be a, a knockdown drag out. Uh, you know, we have to see what Kyle's recovery is uh, with his ankle sprain. But I think both teams will be at full force. But I think if you get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown slowed down, uh, you have a lot better chance of winning games against the Celtics. Ness, uh, what do you you heard about Kyle Lowry's injury? Is he going to play today, Switch? I imagine he's going to play. I mean, I don't see how. Uh, I think the only way you'd stop him play, for playing is if the doctors felt that if he played, he wouldn't be available for game two or three. But um, he was playing outstanding basketball uh, up until this point, you know, as the leader of the team. And then their, their sweep of, the, of Brooklyn, you know, is really not an indicator of, of how well they were playing. They They had different individuals. But in the final game, Serge Ibaka came, came back to his old self. Um, I'm just a huge Serge Ibaka fan from the standpoint when he is making shots, it opens up everything for everyone else. Um, and he's had a history when he's missing shots. It's not like he stopped shooting. So uh, I think they'll, they'll be fine. But I think it's going to be, uh, we all agree, it's going to be a tough series. Uh, Butch, what's your reaction to the quality of the basketball? Um, um, you know, they're they're all playing. There's no real home advantage in the sense of fans, and basketball seems to thrive on emotion and fan support more than any other sport. There's, you know, basketball has momentum swings in a way that, uh, to an extent that I, I suggest other sports not to the same extent. Uh, your reaction to the quality of the basketball? I think the the bubble situation has either shown the strength of a franchise or truly exposed its weaknesses. I think the the teams that came and played well, uh, you know, we've had we've had two executives and a coach terminated out of the bubble. Um, Sacramento decided to change with Flade, uh, Nate McMillan. Uh, was terminated as a coach. Uh, it's, I think it's a serious situation, and now Brown's out at Philadelphia. Um, but I think the bubble shows that the the purity of your leadership would show through in the bubble. And if you are a disorganized organization, then it showed. It, and because you're. See, the great part about the bubble is that all the executives can see how everyone's operating. And so your flaws that you get away with during the season when you're traveling and your executives aren't with you all the time don't show up. But the bubble brought everything to a hit. It brought everything right to a, a, a big, ugly pimple or, or teams that showed no pimples. And so I think the bubble was a, was a great ex- exposure on the executive side and the leadership side. And um, I was a big advocate for it. I also thought that Phoenix, they won eight games, but I thought it was a sign of immaturity that you take all those young players, you put them out in all that sunshine, and they can't win games, and you put them in a bubble where they can't run around and do stupid stuff and stay out all night, um, and they win all eight games. So, you know, I think I think the bubble was good for what it exposed. Uh, Naz, last quick question for Butch before uh, we let him go. 
LeBron James uh, came to play last night. Which, um, just, are you surprised how good he's played in the playoffs? Well, you know, he's he's a wily old veteran. You know, outside of being six eight and you know whatever he weighs, he's, you know, he's just a wily old experienced veteran, and. You know, he, he's angry about what's going on, and you don't need a superstar playing against you when he's angry, <laughs> right? And so, you know, it's the issue for LeBron isn't one game. Naz, it's always can he put three or four games together. And he and Anthony Davis uh, at times haven't shown that they can both put the, a great game together. Um, but they needed to get rid of Portland, and they did, and they're on to the next one. Um, but again, as an older player, you know, I don't think he's one of the top one or two players, but I would not want to play him in a playoff game where he's got another all-star player with. We've been talking to Butch. Butch, uh, we're going to let you go and, uh, we're going to thank you on behalf of Naz. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, always sharing your thoughts with us and, uh, uh, all we can say is thanks and keep well. Yep. You guys stay safe. I always appreciate you allowing me on your show. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again sometime in the future. We will. Hopefully soon. Thanks, Butch. Thanks, Thank Butch. you. Yep. Butch Carter. Uh, before we go to break, uh, just a, a reminder, when we come back, we'll be giving out the uh, numbers for the Pizzaville contest, $50 gift coupon, uh, and a $25 gift coupon. If you've uh, uh, called in in the last uh, few weeks and been a winner of, uh, of the prize, please give somebody else the opportunity. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact-free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. 
The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740. We're also on FM96.7 and live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. As I promised just before we went to break, it's time to give away our Pizzaville coupons, a $50 one and a $25 one. First callers, area code 416 360 toll free one eight. One eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Really quickly, four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. One eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour golf commentator uh, Steve Scott. Good morning, Steve. How are you this morning? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's it's a pleasure having you on. I've uh, you and I hooked up in Toledo last year, and uh, we had a great we had a great conversation. Uh, and I, I promised you we'd get you on the air in Toronto at some point in time. And uh, you've got a fascinating story we're going to tell. I, I introduced it to our listeners uh, earlier in, the, in earlier in the hour. August twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six was uh, one of the most compelling days in golf history. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners right now. Uh, probably wondering what the hell's Rigabon talking about. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that mystery for a little bit. We will get to it, Steve. Uh, I know uh, you and I have chatted about it. You've been gracious about it. We'll get on to that story. But we do. You are a golf commentator. You you do golf commentating work, and we haven't chatted golf on the show in a little while. Uh, and I, I'm I'm the golf junkie on the show. I, if I get an opportunity to talk golf, I love talking golf. They're at Olympia Fields. The FedEx Cup. Uh, it's a course I actually played uh, about 10 years ago. Took the best of me. I can't remember if I broke 100 that day. I seemed to be behind a tree the entire round. Uh, but <laughs> Dustin Johnson, it's going to be a fascinating afternoon of golf. Uh, McElroy is going after his third. Dustin Johnson, 30 under par last week. We've got a Canadian in there as well. Mackenzie Hughes is two off the pace. But the story so far seems to be... Uh, there's only two golfers in the entire field that are under par, and they may, this may end up being the lowest, uh, the highest score uh, to par in uh, outside of the majors in, in over 25 years. Uh, Steve, analyze it for us. Why, why are the scores so high, and what do you anticipate seeing this afternoon? Well, I, I think really it comes down to the firmness of the golf course up in Chicago, and we were just up there actually running one of our Silver Club Golfing Society events uh, right down the street from Olympia Fields uh, back on Thursday. And they haven't gotten rain up there in a long time. So the uh, the firmness of the golf course really changes. The, it's, it shrinks the landing areas that the players can fire their irons into the greens. And it, it, it makes it a lot different. Whereas last week, in Boston, everything was much softer. Obviously, Dustin Johnson ran away with the field 30 under par last week, uh, and then second place was 19 under. So there, there was there were still a lot of players that made a ton of birdies. But Olympia Fields is a major championship test to start with, and then you you combine that with the firm conditions, and that's why you're seeing these guys struggle a bit and you know hey it's golf right you you it's an outdoor game it's all based on the condition they obviously grow the rough 
at Olympia Fields for these players, and now that you get the Mother Nature to cooperate a little bit, and you see some really high scores, but it's very fair. You see a guy like John Rahm yesterday able to go out there and fire four under par to move from six over to two over and get in the mix coming into Sunday. Uh, so it is fair. There are birdies and scores to be had, but you have to play very precise golf. Uh, Steve, I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, Naz Marchese. Uh, Naz? You spoke about John Rahm. He took a penalty stroke. He had a 66. He shot 65 yesterday. Took a penalty stroke on the green for not marking his ball. What do you think of that? <laughs> I, I didn't see exactly what happened, but, uh, yeah, it was, I'm sure he went, uh, went brain dead there for a moment and thought he was playing with his buddies at home. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it ultimately could cost him a lot right there. It's, it's, um, yeah, that's, that's not a, not a smart move by Mr. Rom. Uh, Dustin Johnson, who's, uh, rocketed up the, uh, the, the world rankings, uh, Number one, um, man, he's playing some pretty good golf right now. Um, what uh, what are you seeing with Dustin Johnson? Um, different, if anything, or he's just brought his game together. And, man, these guys are hitting Bryson, DeChambeau, Rom. These guys are hitting a long ball these days. Is that the biggest difference? Well, Dustin Johnson's always been one of the longest players in the game. I think what you're what you're seeing though is that, you know, he's he's putting the ball in play. He's holding a lot of putts. I mean, his mid-range putts from 12 to 15 feet are uh, are really sharp right now. I mean, his strokes gained tee to green, he's 6th in the field this week. Uh 2nd in strokes gained approach to the green. So, I mean, he's got things firing on all cylinders. And the, you know, really the separator when you hit the ball that well, and you're you're rolling the putts in. Uh, you just build 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 and build confidence every hole that goes by. Uh, we're talking to Steve Scott. Steve, uh, you know where we're going next. Um, you know, you and I had a chat about it uh, last year, and you're so gracious. I mean, I always I always introduce this topic by saying uh, you must be really tired about talking about this. <laughs> and and you and you consistently put a smile on your face and you say, No, Walter, I'm not. It, it's an important day in my life. So I've got it I've got it now at this point. Um give our give our readers a summary of that day if they if they weren't around. If you're a real golf junkie, uh you will know where I'm going with this. But if you're not, it's a fascinating human interest story. August twenty sixth 1996, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I, quite frankly, I can't believe it's almost 25 years ago, um, and I turned on the TV set, NBC, I believe, Johnny Miller, um, and it's the USGA Amateur, and you're in the finals, and lo and behold, who are you battling against? I think he was a 19-year-old Tiger Woods who was trying yep. to win his third straight USGA amateur, never been done, never been done. And he's up against Steve Scott. You were, I believe, a major at University of Florida. You were, major, you were at university, the University of Florida at the time. Right. And the TV, the TV came on. It's a 36-hole event, match play on a Sunday. Uh, you're up five after 18 holes. And the TV screen comes on, and I said, oh, my God, Tiger's going to lose. 
because at that point in time, we didn't know the Tiger that we came to know later on. And it was the most compelling golf match, perhaps, that I've ever witnessed. Um, you played the, you played your lights out. You really did. Uh, but Tiger was Tiger that day, probably uh, as he became known. And he gra- gradually whittled down your lead. Uh, you made some phenomenal shots. You chipped in off a 10 down a hill. Uh, Tiger was draining putts from 30 feet, from 50 feet, eagling in the last five holes. And you took it to, I think, the second playoff hole or the third playoff hole, and finally Tiger won. Just just a phenomenal day uh, of golf, just the most compelling. And and I always start off the interview, says, aren't you tired about talking about it? And, Steve, I'll let you ask, I'll ask, I'll ask you that question in front of all of our listeners. Uh, do you ever get tired about talking about it? No, no. I look. I certainly don't. There were so many things that happened in that match that were that were so positive. I mean, I'm five up after 18, just like you mentioned, and I went out there in the afternoon 18 and shot two under par. Uh, it's not like I was bogeying my way around and just let him let him come back. He, you know, I forced Tiger to do Tiger things. Right? I forced him to, you know put his uh, jump in that phone booth and put on his cape and come out and fi- and he shot seven under par in that in that second 18 and and on a USGA setup with firm firm and fast greens and long rough I mean it was it was around I mean I forced him to to pull off really the the uh, the unthinkable and and he he rolled in some amazing putts and he just his will on the golf course is very strong and it's uh, you know we saw it we saw it in the Masters you know a, a little over a year ago. I mean he comes out of nowhere essentially and wins the Masters. So it's something that he has within him. And he's not playing his best golf right now, but he's gonna he's gonna come back around and and do that. But that particular match back in 1996 that was his last match as an amateur golfer. And you know he said if I can beat Steve Scott, I'm ready to go and turn pro and dominate the world. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm just kidding, but. The uh, it, it was just it was an unbelievable match. We went 38 holes, two two playoff holes, and uh, just forced him to hit great shots and make great putts and watch and let his legend essentially just continue to grow. And uh, Steve, uh, before I turn it over to my co-host Naz, uh, and Naz, it was a perfect segue into this when he talked about John Rom marking his ball, forgetting to mark his ball. Uh, which that's perfect to get me to ask you the next question. There was there was a striking moment in that match uh, where, because it was one of the great sporting gestures, if not in the history of golf, in the history of sports, um, you could have taken advantage of the rules. Uh, you could have kept quiet. And Tiger Woods would have made a fatal mistake. I think it was the 16th hole. I'm not. Correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, he could have made a fatal. could have made a fatal mistake. Uh, he had marked his ball. He had moved over the marker uh, to for line purposes. And when he went back to putt, he had forgotten to move his marker back. And if you had not have approached him. And told him, Tiger, 
you got to move your marker back. He would have putted, and he he would not have won, and you would have won that match. Uh, that's astounding. It's an incredible sporting gesture. Um, your thoughts at the time when all that was happening? It was. I was yeah. I was two up with three holes to play, and if I could win that hole, I'm going to win the U.S. Amateur right then and there. And and uh, my I had a par putt. That was right in, uh, well, his, his birdie putt was right in my line of my par putt that I subsequently hold. And, yeah, I'm walking to the side after I pick my ball out of the hole, and I kind of noticed that he, he's putting his ball down pretty quickly, like he didn't, you know, take the time to move his marker back and, and all that. And, and I, I, I did remind him to move it back, and it was um, – if you play from the wrong spot in match play, it's an automatic loss of hole, and and he would have lost to the U.S. Amateur right then and there. And history essentially, golf history has essentially changed. And you know, it would have been really weird though to win that magnitude of an event off a of technicality. Um, people would have said, obviously, hey, you know, Steve, hey, you did that on purpose, or it, it would not have looked good for me. It would not have looked good. For the game, the, the game of golf, this is why the game of golf is so great. The game of golf, we always, we help ourselves, we help our fellow competitors or opponents in this case. We, we call penalties on ourselves as opposed to having a referee throw a flag or blow a whistle. Golf is very, very different in that realm. And so we have this opportunity as golfers, and, and this is kind of the moral code that we abide by when we decide to play golf. And maybe a guy like Patrick Reed might not might not think this, but um, you know I certainly do, and most golfers who play the game certainly do, and I know you do. So it's it's one of those things you when you play golf, this is this is what your expectation is to play the game, and you 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 help other people out, and you know it, it was it was a moment that has lived with me forever because you know look I I helped I essentially helped Tiger Woods win that U.S. Amateur and. And, you know, he had, he came back and made that putt right then and there on the 34th hole and makes a, a 40 footer on the next hole and, and he wins in the second playoff hole. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a moment, you know, it's like I was supposed to be there at that time to continue the world of golf on the, on the path that it was supposed to go on, I guess. Naz, real quick. You, you, you shot 70 that day. You, you didn't choke. You, you, you made it a, Great match, and you were really good at at big. Uh, how, how, how was the crowd affected? You crowd? How did the crowd affect you that day, Steve? Um, no, it, it was a positive. I when I'm playing in front of, honestly, for me, they they said there was fifteen thousand people out there in person that day, and honestly, it's easier to play in front of fifteen thousand people than it is to play in front of ten people. Steve, there was kind of like a sea of people. You don't really see individual faces. And so it makes you, as a player, it makes you really focused. And um, it was was a positive for me, for sure. I I enjoyed it. The crowd was, you know, they wanted to see Tiger win. But then, you know, I'm coming along, and my girlfriend at the time, and my wife was catting (laughs) for me. And there was this, you know, this whole story in there. And, and, uh, you know, the story was really compelling, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, next year being the 25th anniversary, I'm working on a, a book. I'm going to be writing a, I'm in the process of writing a book. I've got a major publishing company out of New York City 
uh, going to be publishing this book, and we're going to bring it out next year. And it's going to talk a lot about the match and talk about sportsmanship, integrity, uh, give some historical context in other sports. It's going it's to be really, really neat. And, and uh, you know, but it, it, was a, it was a golf match that was, it was bigger than just a match. And uh, I'm going to, you know, tell another, another light of that story. <laughs> The other, yeah, Steve, the other star of that day, uh, it was Tiger Woods. Uh, uh, I think he was 19. I, I, I can't recall how you were 20, 21. I don't, I don't remember. But you, you were certainly young men. There was another big star of that day, and her name is Christy. And Johnny Miller was uh, Johnny Miller that day. He was effusive in in his praise of Christy. In fact, at one point in time, he, he called her the 15th club in your bag. Uh, she was your yep. girlfriend at the time. Uh, she became your wife, uh, she's mother to your children. Uh, she's an incredible. I've watched the the, the video on on golf dot com. Incredible. She still cries when she got interviewed about what happened that day. Yep. What did she mean to you that day? Oh, she was she was like my sports psychologist out there trying to distract me when I needed to be distracted, and and you know just giving me pep talks and back rubs and. She she couldn't have been a better person to, to to traverse that final match with and the whole event and and now the whole our whole life right now. I mean it's it's we're, we're we've been very blessed and Christy is just a she's an LPGA instructor herself. It's not like she was just some ditzy blonde carrying the bag. I mean she knew golf. She knows she knows the game really well and and uh, she knew how to to keep me go in the right direction that day under the most immense pressure. And I, I, you know, I can't thank her enough for that and, and everything. Uh, Steve Scott, uh, we've just got a couple of minutes left. I, I'd be remiss, and you, 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 know, you pointed out to me. You, had, uh, you played a little bit on the PGA Tour, uh, but your greatest, uh, I wouldn't say greatest success, but you had some success on the Canadian Tour. You won two Canadian Tour uh, events. Tell us all about that. I did, yeah. My first professional victory on the Canadian Tour was at Point Grey out in Vancouver. And I uh, just loved playing up in Canada. We played at Toronto, played in some, uh, I played in a few Canadian Opens at Glen Abbey and Angus Glen back in the early 2000s. And just a tremendous time. Love, love Canada, love all the, the people up there. I mean, so friendly and just so uh, golf. Uh, golf knowledgeable and just love the game and just hungry for golf because your golf season is, is so short up there. But, you know, I, I definitely had a nice run there. And now being a PGA professional for the Silver Club Golfing Society and the Outpost Club, which is our our parent company, if you will, we just I'm having a lot of fun, you know, telling all these stories of all my travels and the Tiger Woods match and and on and on and on to all of our members of, of the Outpost and Silver Club. And it's just been, it's been a tremendous time. And, uh, you know, we certainly had a great time at Inverness last year, Walter. It was, yeah, we did. It was a ton of fun. And there's a lot yeah. more to come, too. I know you, you're not crossing the border just yet. No. But it's going to happen soon, and we're going to have more, more fun golf. Yeah, I'm, that's one great uh, one great remiss I have this year is I'm not able to get down there and uh, join up with you guys. So, uh uh, I want to thank you, Steve. We look forward to the book. Uh, I can't believe it's been 25 years. Just the chance to chat about it has made me feel like a kid and an old man at the same time. I'll, I'll let people <laughs> figure that one out. And I will leave this with a compelling 
statement you made. At the, there's a great video on the Internet about that day done by Golf Magazine, I believe, or Golf.com. And you finished it off with the following uh, statement, which is so compelling. And I hope I, I see part of it in your book. You said you can be a winner without winning. And that's exactly what happened on August 26, 1996. Steve, I can't thank you enough for joining us and sharing this incredibly, incredibly fascinating story. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. Naz, last word. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good week. Anyways, on that note, uh, to all our listeners, uh, have a great week. The winners of the Pizzaville Contest, Marilyn and Elaine. Uh, we'll get those out to you right away. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.